Our Old Testament reading is from Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. The word of the Lord. This is our third and final look at the Ten Commandments, commonly known in theological circles as the Decalogue. There you go, you learnt something. And so I hope this teaching series has helped you and has illuminated some of uh, the Bible for you also. And so we're all fans of top 10 lists, aren't we? At the end of the year, many of us are interested in the top 10 news stories that, of that year or the top 10 uh, songs of that year, whatever they might be. I was looking at the Rolling Stone magazine website and they list the top 10 songs of all times. So number 10 was What I'd Say by Ray Charles. Number nine was Smells Like Team Spirit by Nevada. Number eight, Hey Jude by The Beatles. Number seven, Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. Number six, Good Vibrations by The Beach Boys. Number five, R-E-S-P-E-C-T by Aretha Franklin. Number four, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Number three, Imagine by John Lennon. Number two, Satisfaction by The Rolling Stones. And number one, Achy Breaky Heart by Billy Ray Silas. <laughs> Only kidding, it was like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Here's the top 10 worst songs of all times. Number 10, Ebony and Ivory by Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder. 
Number nine, party all the time by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Number eight, don't worry, be happy by Bobby McFerrin. Number seven, the heart of rock and roll by Huey Lewis and the News. Let's jump to number one because it's killing me. So number one worst song of all times was We Built This City by Starship. Personally, I think that the worst song of all time is MacArthur Park by Richard Harris or anything that's sung by Aqua. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. So these top ten lists, they just come and go, don't they? They, they change with the passing of time, but God... God has given us a top 10 list that will never change, regardless of the trends, regardless of the fashions and anything else that's going on. It's the list of the Ten Commandments and it's found in Exodus chapter 20. And we've nuanced where it's found in other parts of the Old Testament too over the last three weeks. So let's briefly review uh, the ones that we've already looked at and then focus on the final one. So commandment number one, Exodus chapter 20, verses two to three says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Number two, Exodus 20, 24 says, you shall not make yourself an idol in any form of anything in heaven above or anything of earth beneath or in the waters below. Commandment number three, Exodus 20, uh, verse seven says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Number five, honour your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. And now we come to number seven, Exodus 20, verse 14, says you shall not commit adultery. The destructive power of adultery, there, there should be no confusion as to the meaning of this commandment. What is adultery? Well, I'm glad you asked. When we go to the New Testament, we see a Greek word, pornea, being used. This is the word we get our English word, pornography, and all the other word sets that follow, porno. This word in the New Testament covers a lot of things. The best translation in English is immorality. The Hebrew word for adultery is uh, zanzar, uh, which speaks of apostasy, it speaks of treachery, it speaks of immorality, both vertically between you and God and, and horizontally between you and another, or all involved. So when we look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 28, that you have heard it said, or you have heard that it was said. So he's talking about what it was said in the New Te Old Testament. Sorry, he's talking about what the ancients said. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And we see now that the seventh commandment covers all forms of sexual immorality. It speaks of adultery and covers all extramarital relationships. It speaks of fornication and covers all premarital and extramarital sexual relationships. In this commandment, God is saying to all kinds of immorality, all kinds of pornea, you shall not do this. 
in the context of the previous commandments and our discussions on them. This and the other commandments are given for our protection and to show us our need for a saviour. The idea being that the commandments open my eyes and they shut my mouth. One honest look at the Ten Commandments reveals we have fallen short of God's glory. So think what kind of world we would live in today if just this one commandment was obeyed. How many marriages would be still intact? How many fathers would still be at home? How many divorces could have been averted? In a hundred years from now, when historians look back on our time, if we have another hundred years, that is, there would be they would have to say, we, are, we, ha we were in a culture that was obsessed with sex. Having said that, in and of itself, sex is not sinful. In the very first book of the Bible, it tells us very clearly that God created sex. God has given us this wonderful expression of, of our love from a man to a woman and from a woman to a man, which is all to happen within the safety of the marriage relationship. Any other variation on that expression is wrong and is sinful. The Bible says when a man and a woman have sexual relations together, a oneness takes place. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15 to 18 tells us, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scripture says, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is clearly affected, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So what does all this mean this morning? How is it that we can be hurt by this? Some of you might say, well, it was only just a one-night stand. It didn't mean anything. How can that hurt me? The Apostle Paul paints a very vivid picture this morning of spiritual and emotional damage. Every time you sin, someone always gets hurt. University studies have reported that among a survey of young women, there was a direct correlation between illicit sexual behavior and serious emotional problems. We know that sex outside of wedlock can hurt any future marriage. A study of young men found that those who engage in premarital, premarital relationships make for poor marital risk. This is not religious propaganda this morning, beloved. This is social science. And it says if you take two people who are emotionally compromised because of sexual sin, it's a recipe for relational disaster. Now, we celebrate people today who do this. We celebrate them. We celebrate pop stars. We celebrate Hollywood celebrities who have children out of wedlock. They have taken the institution that God has given us and they have basically ignored it. And yet we celebrate these people. We celebrate all that is Hollywood. We put them on the cover of, of, of our magazines. We celebrate those who are jeopardizing their potential marriages and the order of God, that God has established within his word. 
If you don't think sexual sin hurts anyone, consider teen pregnancies. America tops the table in teen pregnancy rates. 52 out of 1,000 girls aged between 15 and 19 will be pregnant. And the highest teen abortion rate in America is in the Western world. Induced abortions and, and are the second most common reason for young women aged between 12 and 24 to be admitted to hospitals and clinics. So if you don't think sexual sin hurts anyone, currently sexually transmitted diseases are at epidemic levels. Government reports show that 32% of adolescents have at least one STI. We all know what an STI is? Yeah. Okay. The bulk of that percentage is chlamydia. Chlamydia is a disease that leads to chronic pelvic pain and eventually to infertility. This is why God warns us, be faithful before marriage and during marriage. This is God's order, beloved. When we mess with it, we do so at our own risk. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, let me paraphrase it. It says, don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joined in his kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other and abuse sex don't qualify as citizens in God's kingdom. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. The problem is that we live in a sex-saturated society. Everywhere you look, there are sexualized images on your TV commercials, billboards, newspapers, shop windows, junk mail. You basically need to move to another planet, maybe move to Mars or somewhere, not to be affected or infected by this. That brings me to the biggie, pornography and the internet, which is now out of control. It's not enough that every second over $3,000 is being spent on porn. It's not enough that porn revenue is more than $97 billion. It's not enough that Americans contribute $12 billion to worldwide, worldwide porn revenues. There is a sense in every community that the porn industry is a blight in that community. Of all surveys taken regarding pornography within the last few years, there remains a prevailing 77% of people that say that pornogra the pornographic industry is a blight on the community. Given that negative response, the pornographic industry continues to grow. Unfortunately, it is making tremendous inroads into the Christian community and into the church and into the people of God. Most of this is a result of the internet. Why? Why? Because it's anonymous. It's sacred sin. The pornographic industry has not grown in leaps and bounds because the world is flooded with unsaved and unchurched people that, are, that have recently discovered porn. A lot of the growth in the pornographic industry has come from within the Christian communities. This is an unfortunate fact this morning. So we need to guard our minds against such things. Job 31 verse 1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully. Commandment number 8, Exodus 20, verse 15. 
you shall not steal. This is a widespread problem in our culture today, more commonplace than we realise. When you think about it, we have become accustomed to it. When you go to the bank, there's a sheet of bulletproof glass that separates you from the teller. There are signs in most convenience stores that tell us that the employee cannot open the safe. I walk my dog around the neighbourhood and I see signs on houses that tell me that they have ADT, alarm systems, and there's other versions of that too. A Newsweek magazine article said that people are shoplifting more than $13 billion worth of lipsticks, batteries and bikinis. Just that. There are companies that are contracted to identify what young people are stealing from department stores so that they can report on what's fashionable. We have identity theft. A few years ago, I got a call from my bank asking me had I recently returned from Thailand, Vietnam and the Philippines within the last 12 hours. Seems that someone got a hold of my credit card information and bought an airline ticket all throughout Asia to all those destinations. The investigation determined that it was fraud and uh, I got my money back, but someone blew about 15 grand. So this is the kind of world that we are living in, a world of theft. So why are so many people stealing? Because they don't have a moral compass this morning. The Barna Group, a Christian think tank, engaged a survey which revealed that most people don't think there is any such thing as absolute truth. We looked at this in our first week. Uh, this is the second part of that survey. Uh, the subsequent question was, why don't you steal? The, the number one reason asked of those people, why don't you steal, was, I might get caught. Number two was, the other person might try and get even with me. And number three, I might not actually need the item. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28 says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. This is a great verse because it tells us how to live as believers. To make restitution where possible, number one. Number two, to be hardworking. The Bible says in Proverbs, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And number three, we need to have something that we can share with others. Sharing is the opposite, beloved, to stealing. Commandment number nine, Exodus 20, 16. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. At its essence, this command deals with lying. I think more of us lie than we realise even though we are mindful of the fact that God hates deception and lying. Proverbs 16, 17 to 19 tells us there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that uh, devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among, among brothers. Out of the seven things that God hates, two of them have to do with lying and falsehood. Why does God 
hate it because it's so destructive this morning. Proverbs 25, 18 says, Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is a man who gives false testimony against his neighbour. Yet we can find ourselves not wanting to disclose the whole truth. There are times when it is difficult to be completely honest, whether you are lying to save face, whether you are lying to keep from offending someone. There are those little white lies, aren't there? You say to someone, I forgot, when you really didn't. It's good to see you, when it's really not. <laughs> I was just getting ready to call you, when that was never an option. I'm praying for you when you never even had the probability that you would. <laughs> if we are totally honest with ourselves, we all lie more than we think. Gossip and backbiting are destructive forms of lying. So let me ask a question. Who am I? Once I tarnish a reputation, it's never the same. I topple governments and ruin marriages. I end ministries set up by God. I ruin careers and cause sleepless nights, headaches and indigestion. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make headlines, headaches and heartaches. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. Gossip. Proverbs 20:19. A gossip goes around telling secrets. So don't hang around with chatterers. We all know people that can't keep secrets, don't we? Here's the problem. When the information is gossiped, it's mixed with a lie. Then it gets spun with the design of destroying the person it's being said about. How does it get passed along with phrases like, have you heard? Did you know? I don't believe it's true, but have you heard this? I know I shouldn't tell you this, but... I know it won't go any further. And the best one is, I'm telling you this so you can pray about it. Now, there's nothing wrong with conveying accurate information. But be sure it's accurate. Because if it, you don't, then it's gossip. And gossip's a lie. Another form of lying is keeping silent when it matters. When you hear something about a situation or about someone that, that you know that is not true, and then we remain silent and we stick our heads in the sand. Someone is gossiping and pulling apart someone that you know. And then we have first-hand information that would silence that person. But we keep silent. This is slander by silence or complicity by passivity. Now, the final commandment. While the other commandments deal with what we, are, what we do outwardly, how we behave, etc. This has to do with our inward desire and our inward thoughts. While the other commandments deal with actions, this one deals with a state of mind and a state of heart. This 10th commandment reveals to us that God cares about what goes on inside of us. Exodus chapter 20 verse 17 says, You must not covet your neighbour's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servants, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. You shall not covet. 
So what does it mean to covet? Coveting is not a compliment or admiring what another person has. That's not coveting. Coveting is not copying or mimicking what another person has. The Bible says, Bible, sorry, the Bible does not say, thou shall not copy. Coveting is looking at something, admiring it, and essentially taking it. Saying you like something that another person has is not coveting. Saying you want the same as another person has is not coveting. Going out and buying the same thing as another person has because you like it and want the same thing is not coveting. might be sad, but it's not coveting. <laughs> but saying, I want what you have. Now we have a problem. I'm taking what you have. Bingo. Now we have a covetous act. Covetousness has now is now being expressed in the sin of theft in this situation. The Bible says you must not covet your neighbor's wife. It's not wrong to want a wife. It's not wrong to want a husband. But it is wrong to want or lust after another man's wife or to lust and want after another man's husband. Another woman's husband, sorry. <laughs> it's wrong to do the other thing too. Coveting is a destructive sin. For 30 pieces of silver, Judas betrayed Jesus. The Bible warns us in 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's not a sin to want to be successful in business or to make a good living. When you become obsessed with it, when you are willing to do whatever it takes to get there, when it becomes the most important thing in your life, then coveting has turned into idolatry. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So the question is, as we close and the music plays softly, have you broken any of these commandments? Maybe you have broken a number of them. You've lied, you've stolen, you've coveted. Maybe you have even been sexually impure. So what are you going to do? What does the Bible say that you should do? The Bible tells you and I to repent and ask God's forgiveness. The purpose of reading these commandments is not to highlight your sin and make you feel miserable, but to show you, but to show the, you and the entire world that we are in dire spiritual needs this morning. Nobody can keep the Ten Commandments on their own and in their own strength. That's why it is totally insane to say, I don't need Jesus, I'll just live by the Ten Commandments. They were not given to make you holy, but to show your lack and shortcomings before God. The Ten Commandments were given to show us our need for a Saviour. 
The Bible tells us that the Ten Commandments open our eyes and they shut our mouths so that every man and woman would realize that they are guilty before God. The good news is when Jesus died on the cross, he took those commandments and they were nailed to the cross. He took the penalty that we should, that, that, that should come upon us and he brought it on himself. And he died in our place so that we could be forgiven this morning. And if you have broken these commandments, it should not drive you to despair this morning. It should send you into the arms of Jesus. God is always ready to forgive. The Bible says that he throws our transgressions into the sea of forgetfulness. That as far as the east is from the west, so our sins have been removed from us. But that will not happen this morning, beloved, until we repent. If the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning and you would confess that you have broken these commandments or maybe you're contemplating or plotting to break one or some and this has become a wake-up call for you, then the Lord would say to you, don't go that way. Don't go that way. Like a loving parent that protects their child from danger, the Lord would say, don't go that way. Jesus said, if you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. If I love God with all my heart, my soul and mind, and I will not have false gods before him. I will not have graven images. I won't take his name in vain. I will truly love my neighbor as myself. I won't steal from my neighbor. I won't lie to my neighbor. I won't covet what belongs to them. And I certainly won't kill my neighbor. So I'm wondering if you have been troubled this morning by what you've heard, by the way God, God's word and God's spirit has, has impacted you as we've talked and it's crossed your mind that you have broken one or a number of these commandments. You've lied, you've stolen, you've coveted, maybe you've even been sexually impure. So what are you going to do? What does the Bible say that we should do? The Bible tells us that you and I should repent and ask God's forgiveness. Whatever it is, you need to come to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. And I turn from that sin and I ask for your forgiveness. If that's you this morning and you need help with prayer, it would be my privilege to pray with you and to help you. So I want to take some time this morning at this altar space. This altar space is open this morning. So please stand, leave your seat and come to the front and let's pray together and let's believe God.